Hello and welcome back to State of the World. This is our podcast where today we are going to be talking about Joe Biden's foreign policy uh, and America versus Russia and China. Recent events have uh, predicated that we are going to be talking today about America's policies as they look now under the new Biden administration uh, in terms of uh, Russia and China. And so as of today, March 20th, 2021, Joe Biden has been president of the United States for two full months. Now, given recent developments in America's relationship with China and Russia, the two nations closest to the U.S. in near-peer status as world powers, we can see some distinct patterns emerging. To put it bluntly, and to quote Biden, America is back. Events of the past couple of weeks show that, at least in dealing with China and Russia, Joe Biden seems to be channeling the ghost of Ronald Reagan, for which we say it is about time. On the China front, the U.S. is now actively engaging with our Indo-Pacific partners, Australia, India, and Japan, who, together with the U.S., forms the Quad, officially known as the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, which is a uh, four-partner uh, dialogue um, slash alliance that started a few years ago under the Trump administration. This is quickly developing into a viable alliance, we hope, whose goal is to contain China's increasingly aggressive military and diplomatic moves in the area. So the Quad over the past few years has um, avoided actually calling out China by name. Um, and But things have been changing recently. Australia recently released a defense policy paper specifically calling out China as their most likely um, future opponent slash threat, which, looking at what China's been up to the last few years, is basically pretty darn obvious. So, um, the recently ended Trump administration made a lot of noise about opposition and confrontation with China, and particularly over um, trade and economics. But, he did this usually in more of a lone wolf manner, uh, often ignoring or antagonizing traditional allies, both in the Pacific, vis-a-vis -vis the China situation, and in Europe, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Russia situation. We'll get to the Russia part in a little bit. Biden and his foreign policy team are seem to be riding that boat and are actively working with regional allies, both in the Euro, uh, European and the um, Asia-Pacific Indo area, to remind China and Russia there are limits to their behavior. So again, when we're talking about China, especially in light of recent anti-Asian violence in the United States, want to specifically point out we're talking about the Beijing government, the authoritarian, dictatorial, Communist Party-ruled Beijing government of the People's Republic of China, which is neither truly a republic nor is it actually for the people uh, being a dictatorship. So when we talk about the Chinese, we are specifically discussing the Chinese government, uh, its uh, subservient arms, the Communist Party of China, the uh, People's Liberation Army, the PLA, the military forces of China, and their various um, other um, pieces of the state infrastructure there. So again, this is not at all against the Chinese people, just as comments about Russia are not against the Russian people but against their government. 
Uh, so let's take a look at some recent Chinese actions that are troublesome. Uh, Chinese government, Chinese military actions that are creating issues in the Indo-Pacific region and um, in some senses around the world. So for several years, uh, China has been uh, uh, undergoing a ongoing military buildup and modernization of their forces, which, you know, that is what nations do. That in itself should not be cause for alarm, but combined with everything else the Chinese government is doing, definitely causes alarm. So they are continuing to threaten Taiwan, which is a, effectively a, a democratic society. Excuse me. And the background there, if you're not aware, is that back in the 1940s, China was engaged in a very bloody civil war where the Communist Party came out on top under Mao Zedong. The Nationalist, or Kuomintang, that's the name of the other political party, forces of General Chiang Kai-shek uh, retreated to the Chinese-ruled uh, island of Formosa, uh, set up effectively a dictatorship, uh, an anti-communist dictatorship, but still a dictatorship, and um, suppressed local um, Formosan um, uh, attempts at autonomy. Now, fast forward to the 21st century, Taiwan, Formosa is now known as the island of Taiwan. It is still estranged from Beijing. Uh, the Beijing claims, continues to claim that Taiwan is an integral part of the Chinese nation. The government of Taiwan uh, Taiwan's official name is the Republic of China, which is the name that Chiang Kai-shek's party had when they were in charge of uh, the mainland. The government of Taiwan uh, is democratically elected. They uh, are increasingly acting like an independent nation to have for decades. But the... Um, how should we phrase this? They are an independent nation, but they're not. And so Beijing has con continually, again for decades, threatened that if the Taiwanese government declares itself to be an actual independent separate nation, separate from China, that would mean war. Um, and so, but at the same time, the Chinese government has continually said, someday you shall once again be ours. Uh, and the ongoing military buildup of the People's Liberation Army in communist China is a uh, ongoing and clearly stated threat to Taiwan. Taiwan is, of course, a, a democracy. It is allied to the United States. We have this strange relationship where we, uh, the United States, we meaning we, are um, working with the Taiwanese military, but we're all, we also recognize the People's Republic of China, the communist government, as the official government of China. So we have this this weird little uh, situation. Comes down to it, the U.S. for decades has basically protected Taiwan from being invaded from China. Uh, Taiwan has a modern military. They are uh, adding more and more modern, uh, updated uh, 21st century technology to the military. But the, the concern here is that China will, at some point, invade Taiwan or attack it in an effort to bring it back into the fold of the Chinese nation. That is a concern. And just as Hong Kong passed back to Chinese um, sovereignty in 1997 from being a British colony for over 100 years, 
the deal then was that Hong Kong's democratic government would re- remain autonomous from the Chinese communist government that increasingly has been shown to be um, a deep long-term fake-out by the Beijing government. Um, pro-democracy uh, forces in Hong Kong have been suppressed. There are an increasing, uh, increasingly violent demonstrations, but there's no question that the Beijing government has suppressed democracy in Hong Kong. And if they get their hands on Taiwan, they shall do the same. So it's a long-winded explanation, background on the Taiwan issue. But in addition to that, we also have Chinese border clashes. There have been military border clashes over the past year plus with uh, their neighbor India, which is the world's largest by population democracy in the world. Um, India is actively modernizing their military in part to counter the threat from China. And keep in mind, China or India also has the ongoing um, border conflict with uh, Pakistan, their old foe. Pakistan is also a long-term ally of China, and China has been building a military facility um, in Pakistan that will uh, is accessible to the Chinese Navy. So, again, China is expanding its influence, uh, and India feels like it's becoming surrounded. Then we have the South China Sea tensions. Uh, Chinese, China claims islands and the economic exclusion zone of the um, several island chains in the South China Sea. They're also claimed by Vietnam, by Taiwan, by uh, the Philippines, Malaysia. And China has been creating man-made islands in, there, in that area and militarizing them. And the United States, uh, being the most powerful military in the Western Pacific, uh, because U.S. is also a Pacific nation, um, continually sends naval forces into the South China Sea area just to remind China that no, internationally, this is not recognized as being Chinese territory. And again, that just ramps up uh, potential conflict. Uh, the U.S. Navy also uh, transits the Taiwan Strait between mainland China and Taiwan. Again, as a very obvious reminder that, hey, we have Taiwan's back. Um, and, of course, the Chinese see this, this these American naval actions as provocative uh, and aggressive. The United States sees them as defensive and countering Chinese aggression toward their neighbors. Inside China, we have uh, continued increased repression of minorities, specifically the Muslim Uyghur population of Xinjiang. Uh, Both the Trump administration and the Biden administration and others have uh, said that this is a form of genocide. Um, China says they are fighting against Islamic uh, extremism, which is partially true, but it's also fighting against the nationalism of a very non-specific non-Chinese minority that seeks um, at least autonomy and religious freedom. Um, of course, right next to Xinjiang is Tibet, which is a again a non-Chinese region and population that was invaded by the Communist Chinese uh, decades ago and is undergoing continued repression both of their ethnicity and their religion. The religion being uh, that related to the Dalai Lama who lives in exile in neighboring India. 
which is also a source of tension between India and China. And we have the continued and increasing cyber attacks on the United States and allied targets by uh, China. China maintains an active and growing cyber offensive capability in PLA Unit 61398. Again, PLA stands for People's Liberation Army, which is the name for their armed forces. So the um, PLA Unit 61398 and its various branches is known to be responsible for many cyber attacks um, throughout the Indo-Pacific region. Uh, India has suffered through that recently. Uh, there have been hacks and attacks on American targets, economic, government, and military. And um, this, in conjunction with similar attacks by the Russians, is a serious, serious um, security threat for the United States. So the diplomatic summit held in Alaska between the United States and China, March 18th and 19th of this year, I mean, just a couple days ago, uh, was between high-level diplomats from the U.S. and China, not at the presidential level, but uh, just below. Um, the Deputy Secretary of State uh, was involved there for the U.S. And um, both sides ended up criticizing each other publicly. Their initial public comments, which in most summits are like, you know, oh, this is so nice, we're happy to meet with you, blah, blah, blah. And it's all, you know, scripted and nice and, and tidy and appropriate was basically a major, um, hey, you guys are being difficult, we're being bad, oh no, you're evil, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing somewhat, but uh, it was amazing that both sides kept insulting each other, and they kept calling the reporters back in to continue criticizing each other. So, on the one hand, this wasn't overly diplomatic. On the other hand, um, it shows that neither side's backing down to the other, which from the American point of view... Um, we believe is a good thing. So um, the, this again shows the Biden administration's opening dialogue with the Chinese government that's showing increasing aggression on multiple fronts in the Indo-Pacific theater, as well as increasing internal repression of our own minority populations and continued and serious engagement of in cyber attacks against Chinese government foes, meaning i.e. the United States among others. Uh, is uh, a serious issue that the United States new government, new administration is not going to take lightly. Um, this is the sort of aggression and bad behavior by an authoritarian regime that demands America stand up to it and show the world that, yes, America is back. And then there's Russia. On the Russian front, the recent comments by President Biden in an interview uh, in which George Stephanopoulos asked if he agreed that Vladimir Putin uh, is a, quote, killer. Uh, Biden uh, said yes. And uh, this appeared to irritate Mr. Putin and sparked some harsh talk from Russian media. Considering that the past four years under Biden's predecessor, Russia basically got a pass for a lot of bad behavior. It is refreshing that the U.S. is showing a stony face to Russian adventurism and calling out Putin for the authoritarian thug that he is. Uh, we are reminded of... Uh, back during the George W. Bush administration when George W. Bush was saying uh, nice things about Vladimir Putin, uh, Senator John McCain, who was uh, um, often opposed to George W. Bush um, and later opposed to Donald Trump, um, basically said that when he looks into the 
eyes of uh, Vladimir Putin, he sees the letters KGB. I'm paraphrasing here. But remember, Vladimir Putin was a member of the Soviet Union's uh, state security uh, apparatus. The KGB was involved not just in um, spying and, and intelligence activities against the West and counterintelligence at home in Russia, but also was active in the suppression of dissidents, um, which is a theme that we, again, see in Putin's Russia. Um, I'm not saying that Vladimir Putin is an adherent to Marxism or the old Communist Party, but he definitely seems to be in love with the Soviet Union's uh, old ways of population control and um, foreign policy and military adventurism. So let's take a look at some recent Russian aggression and concerning, a concerning actions. Recent, in this case, we go back at least seven years. Um, the at Russian attack on Ukraine, the war... Um, has gone on for over several years. There's a ceasefire in place, uh, but Russian forces are still in Ukrainian territory. They annexed the Crimea, which uh, was uh, Ukrainian territory. And that just seemed, you know, the tepid response from the United States under um, President Obama and Trump um, seemed to encourage the Russians in this case. Actually, go back to the 2008 uh, war between Russia and Georgia, an American ally, and the tepid response of the George W. Bush administration, uh, basically standing by as the Russians beat up on our buddy Georgia. <laughs> Excuse me. So, continuing looking at Russian evidence of Russian aggression recently, Russia continues to prop up the bloody Assad regime in Syria in concert with Iran and Hezbollah. Um, Russian military forces are there. There are documented instances of them uh, intentionally bombing population centers, massive killing of civilians, um, and just the Assad regime is one of the bloodiest in the Middle East, and that is saying quite a bit. Uh, and Russia is actively supporting them and acting against uh, American-supported um Syrian rebel groups. And so, you know, Syria, Russia and Syria have a long history going back to the Cold War when, um, Assad's father ran Syria and the Soviet, and the Russians were the Soviet Union. But the Soviets have, um, through this have military bases in the Middle East and the Mediterranean and they'll basically have a warm water port, uh, where they can send their ships, which has long been a Russian national objective. Russia has also intervened in the Libyan civil war, uh, mostly through their the Wagner um, mercenary group, which is a Russian a mercenary company that is known while well, being an independent uh, mercenary outfit or uh, security consultants like uh, America's Blackwater, ha is a clear um, proxy for the Russian military and government. So. Also, during the last uh, few months of the Trump administration, we had news of Russian bounties on American troops in Afghanistan. Uh, Donald Trump refused to do anything about that. Joe Biden says that he, uh, that is going to be brought up with uh, Putin whenever they actually do talk and meet. And uh, it is our hope that if it is proven that American troops died through those bounties, as some evidence now shows, that U.S. Uh, take direct action against uh, Russian military or at least the Wagner mercenary group 
in, in retaliation. This cannot stand. In addition, uh, the Putin administration in Russia has continued with their aggressive statements and actions that worry Eastern NATO members in the Baltics, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland. There is uh, increasing concern in the Baltic nations that Russia may try to re-annex them. Uh, for a reminder, a little history lesson here, in 1939 and 40, uh, the Soviet Union, Communist Russia, had a uh, deal with Hitler's Germany to divide up Eastern Europe, and the Soviet Union uh, took over the uh, Baltic states of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania and held them in thrall under communist uh, repression until the fall of the Soviet Union in, in the 19, early 1990s. Uh, the Baltic nations are now NATO members, and one concern that you see among analysts is that Putin may try to uh, cripple NATO by uh, invading those states and then sh saying, you know, basically daring the NATO to do something. So uh, Putin is a risk taker, so I, we would not say that's off the table. Um, recently, Russia has also threatened Bosnia, warning them against joining NATO. Um, this is a common tactic by the Russian government uh, to try to discourage Eastern European nations from joining NATO. Probably not a lot they could actually do to Bosnia, but Russia is buddies with neighboring Serbia. Um, and there have been, of course, conflicts in Bosnia involving Serbia before. We also see increased cooperation between Russia and China against the West in both the military, in, in the military area, diplomatic space, and in outer space. They've announced a, uh, a cooperation to uh, establish bases uh, in and near the moon. Um, that We'll see if that what happens from that. But if that happens, I think we could expect to see the Chinese with their Russian buddies possibly militarizing any bases they put there, similar to how China has been militarizing their islands in the South China Sea. Again, just like with the Russians, we see uh, cyber attacks on American and European targets by the Russians. And in part of that, of course, we've seen in both 2016 and 2020 in the American presidential elections, um, uh, continued Russian cyber attacks, hacks, and active disinformation campaigns. The uh, report recently came out stating that uh, in the 2020 campaign, it was not so much um, hacking and cyber attacking as uh, very extensive and coordinated disinformation campaigns in the United States uh, in support of Donald Trump and also um, contributing to the anti-vaccine uh, and COVID conspiracy theories that uh, Americans see online. So again, the Russians are actively uh, attacking America's body politic. And also they've done similar things in European political campaigns. And there's evidence that they were involved in the Brexit uh, discussions in England. Um, again, trying to weaken the Western European alliances. So looking at all the actions of China and Russia, it is clear that they see themselves in conflict with the West and with, quote, liberal democracies. Okay, this basically means the United States, uh, Europe, Western Europe, well, most of Europe at this point, uh, Canada, you know, basically anyone, any state that's a democracy and not an authoritarian. And it is time for the U.S. and the West to recognize this for what it is, the opening shots of a new Cold War slash great power competition.
As the U.S. re-engages with our allies in both Europe and in Asia, now with the dawn of the Biden administration, we start to see signs that American military is retooling for potential confrontations with China, especially in recent light of recent statements by U.S. military officials that they see China possibly attacking Taiwan in the next few years. It is critical that the American people understand that great power competition is back, and it is a real threat to the United States and to the West and to the world. America enjoyed a brief respite after the end of the end of the Cold War with the fall of the Soviet Union, as the U.S. was the world's only true superpower for a while. That era is now ending. Both China and Russia are now flexing their muscles internationally and are making very aggressive noises toward the neighbors, all of the, whom are U.S. allies, by the way, and the U.S. must meet this challenge. Will the new Biden administration stand up and meet this challenge? So far, based on the Biden-Putin interactions uh, and the recent Alaska summit with China and the ongoing work with the Quad and NATO, it looks like American policy is at last heading in the right direction and recognizing these two belligerent nations as the security threat that they are. Hopefully this means that, indeed, America is back. Well, we hope you have uh, found this podcast uh, interesting and worthwhile. Please consider um, subscribing to our podcast as well as to our written newsletter at uh, stateoftheworld.substack.com. And uh, we will be back with more information uh, uh, as things progress in the uh, changing relationship between America with China and Russia. And uh, we'll see what what happens. So have a good day. Uh, Happy first day of spring, and God bless. Thank you.